and welcome to the Farmers I Know podcast. I'm Carolyn Hirschhan. This is the show dedicated to conversations with the people that are growing food to nourish their communities. The farmers I know let their values on how the earth and people should be treated lead the way. These are like old, old like tractors from the 40s. Cool. We're lucky enough to be able to like rip and roar on them. You know what I mean? That's awesome. All right, I'm excited. Max Hart is the Director of Agricultural Education at Kaleva Farms in Dickerson, Maryland. Max and his dog Diesel grow a variety of produce and tend to animals together. The animals mostly found their way there because they had nowhere else to go. The whole farm has a very relaxed feeling, but it's incredibly productive at the same time. And what Max decides to grow and the methods that he uses are constantly evolving. This is partly because he uses the farm as an educational tool for running the kids program, and partly because of Max's passion and eagerness to evolve as a farmer and experiment with growing methods. We sat in the flatbed trailer attached to the tractor, and I asked him about the history of Kaleva Farms and how he fits into that history. How long has this farm been been going on? Uh, Kaleva started uh, like in 1993, mm-hmm. so like 27, 28 years ago. Then we started uh, like an agricultural program by this guy named Ben Ritter, uh-huh. um, who was you know like this awesome like uh, band guy in New York City and and uh, ultimately like a lost guy. And then you know came to Kaleva because his brother was working here and, and he was like oh you guys have this farm that you run these and like environmental education things off of and you know you, you do like this kayak and and canoe school like do you guys mind if i just like you know start a little garden and then you know we can start incorporating that into the thing and then you know it slowly grew and and it was really cool because i started working under ben ritter you know seven or eight years ago oh, cool. um, that's how i started off at Kaleva's because i got kicked out of college and my um my dad was like oh i know this company Kaleva, you should go interview do you want to be a um a little farm bitch for us, and I was like, "Hell yeah, brother, <laughs> sign me up, bro!" That's how you started. Yeah, I was like, farm, this, bitch. "Farm bitch." And me. now you're the director of agricultural <laughs> education, right? Yeah. So yeah. Cool. So now I run it. Now I have Ben's job. Like, That's I, awesome. so yeah, it is really. It's like it's a pretty cool. It's cool that you know. Also, I'm like an uneducated uh, like uh, fuck up, and so and it, but it's cool. <laughs> well, no, well, so it's cool because I think it's cool that that the owners of the company were able to like work with me and see what I did working here before I was uh, in charge of anything, and and uh, you know, kind of put faith in me and and in young people and then that's, that's amazing. You know, it's really cool because I you know I have a couple other colleagues like our, the guy that builds our ropes courses is uh, 29 and Olivia who's a director of, of these educational programs she's 28 today you know happy birthday and uh, <laughs> and so yeah it's, it's cool to see like these 50 year old ex-Mormon men um, kind of passing passing the torches down to like real liberal real um, young um, very different people from what they they grew up to that's awesome. So yeah, it's it's a it's a cool place. That's super cool, and like definitely like being like not having a certain degree doesn't necessarily make you like uneducated, right? Like, oh yeah, you yeah, know yeah. so yeah, much no. stuff. I mean, you're running this farm program, like you're obviously an educated person in like depending on how you define it, right? Yeah. I guess this is kind of like a two-parter. Like, what what sorts of stuff do you find yourself teaching? Like, what sort of like lessons or educational topics that people might recognize? that you teach through farming and what sorts of things you find that they really are surprised about when you're when you're teaching them that 
Oh, yeah, that's a GQ, dog. That's a good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, like the, the the what I push uh, as the director of agricultural education is uh, experiential learning and and having kids go out and uh, and and see something that they have a question about and then ask the question and then that's where we jump off of instead of it being like, guys, today we're looking for plant life that could encourage nitrogen in compost and it's mm-hmm. like oh like you know yeah. but like a kid will come up and be like why is this spinach leaf more green than right than this spinach leaf it's like oh there's a ton of different things right it could be like this part isn't getting enough water because the soil is not level it could be that this part is getting nitrogen locked because there's carbon mixture in the in the soil or, and then they're like oh wait what's the most likely and uh, because nobody likes coming out and working on the farm, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've had, I've had, I've been here long enough to know that if you if you ha- bring kids out here and you're like, hey, <laughs> like shovel in for ten hours, they're gonna be like, hey, man, um, yeah, I think farms are the worst. Like yeah. I think farms, we shouldn't save the farms. <laughs> the farms are the worst, you know. But if they come out here and, and they have uh, and they have a little diesel running around and, and sheep following them and, and then they're able to ask questions and then we drop everything just to like, explore those questions, it makes kids a little bit more willing to learn and, and willing to come back and willing to go to other farms and just like making the experience good and i think that's what i think i worry about more than any actual like subject matter so much of the day-to-day of farming is tedious and labor intensive so you have to have a much larger big picture why to make it all worth it and that's exactly what max is instilling in these young people do you have an idea of like how much how much are you growing and then like where does it go like do you guys sell it somewhere or yeah like what do you guys do with the produce so we have uh our kitchen right here mm-hmm. homeboy flash um is a expert in whipping it up and you know it, it's, it's taken a little while for us to get into the uh, me producing enough for us to use as a viable option in the kitchen because mm-hmm. normally normal years we'll have thousands and thousands of kids come through like in the spring and then and a couple more thousand in the summer and a couple more thousand in the fall right mm-hmm. and we're providing food for a lot of these situations and so it's really hard for me growing on on two acres alone um, to produce food for you know x amounts of thousands of kids and so you know the first couple of years we were trying to do like staff csas uh, and then my second year we opened up a storefront in oh, cool. uh in poolsville and then produced a good amount more that year, and we started selling uh, out of there, and then also doing these um, fancy dinners. And then last year, we started doing the pizza dinners. Um, I'm like growing garlic and onions and tomatoes, cucumbers and lettuce. Like that's that's like the line, like a a firm line, and then a bunch of herbs, you know, And, and it's super nice. So this year, I'm producing like insane amounts of all that comparative to last year's. You know, we've already hit a couple backups on lettuce. Like, I have way too much lettuce if you want to take any home, like, please. Hell yeah. And so our kitchen's growing, the garden's growing. Um, the store is, is more and more popular as well. So it's, um, for, for me, I'm, I'm here for the mission of it all more than anything. And it's cool that I can just give produce and give, like, uh, organic nutrients to people. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's definitely, like, a different feeling when you're working on a farm that's, like, a nonprofit versus like working on a farm where like every single thing that you pull up from the ground has to keep it going. Yeah. It's a, really a different feeling. Mm-hmm. But there's just so much potential when you do have that flexibility to build community through yeah. that, right? And it sounds like that's a lot of what you're doing too with the produce is building a community here on the farm and you know, all over. Yeah, that's really to. cool. We got out and Max showed me around the farm and introduced me to some of the animals, like Hank, a teeny pig. Hi. He's like a dog, so it's very easy for people for us to be like, he's our mascot. <laughs> you know? 
his fur. The plan was to have him follow me around, mm-hmm. you know, like Diesel does, and uh, the sheep. The sheep also follow me around. Uh huh. Um, but I think he's he's a little bit too rambunctious, you know. He lives his own life, so I, I think I might have to just keep moving him with. Uh, I might put him in with the uh, the baby pigs. Oh, that's perfect. Max very much builds up the farm as he goes, with clearly set goals and ambitions. He's kind of like the living proof that the formal education track isn't the only way to become an educated person. But yeah, this is my biomiler, oh, which nice. is a uh, compost heater for a my greenhouse. compost heater? Mm-hmm. Cool. So I, yeah, I piled this up in uh, October of last year. So at this point, we've gone over to the greenhouse, and next to it is a huge compost pile with all these plastic tubes running all through it. So it pumps water through the compost and heats up because the inside of a compost pile can get up to 140 degrees if you're making it right. Whoa. And so yeah, pump it through a thousand feet on the, on, in the biomiler and then a hundred feet in the greenhouse. Cool. It's like the first two years that I, I was building this thing, mm-hmm. I, I made mini ones like in the, in the field with just plastic and put compost piles around it. And uh, those worked really well. I grew tomatoes all year. Oh, this cool. one I couldn't have tomatoes in but I was able to germinate seeds uh, every month of the winter, nice. which is really cool. So He showed me the rest of the farm, and we talked about other techniques that he uses to keep the soil healthy and the plants thriving. How many acres is it? Well, so uh, it's a 170-acre farm, wow. but then uh, I have uh, just about like 55, 60 acres of uh, pasture. Uh-huh. So I got like cows, I got 25 cows, wow. and um, all these horses, and we just rotate them through. Yeah. And then I have... Uh, like three acres of veggies that I run. Wow. These are all grapes and I propagate these grapes every oh, year. Oh, cool. So I like take clones from these grapes and I plant them all over the place. Oh, nice. And I have a ton this year that I'm like plotting on where I should put them, you know? What sort of conditions do I like? Like what are you looking for for a good spot for them? Uh, just a ton of sun and some shitty soil. Cool. Yeah. Like Perfect. it can be like clay, nasty soil. That's what they we don't plant care. right there, yeah. Nice. But yeah, this is the all-star gourmet lettuce from Johnny Seeds. And then these all right here, so they all just scattered, right? These yeah. are all sun chokes cool. in this bed. Um, and uh, I bought all those from Harris Teeter. I got all them for free from Harris Teeter. Because oh, they're nice. all rotten and about to get thrown away. Oh, really? Look stuff. at them now. Yeah, right, dude? Yeah, this all used to be sod farm. And so there was no topsoil um, layer. Yeah. And so um, this was the first like veggie patch that, that, that I made. Yeah. And I've just been, so I tilled it the first time. And then I've just been putting compost and, and wood chips on top. Oh, okay. And then every year, every couple of years, I'll flip the rows, right? So this will become veg- vegetable, and then this will become walkway. Mm-hmm. Um, because this get be- this becomes just like the most perfect like compost underneath. So you layer it for two years, two or three years, and then it's, this is just like that's money right there. And then I'll turn I'll turn all this with the broad fork and then put topsoil on and then plant it plant it immediately oh nice which is super duper nice and that's what I do with the chicken coop too I do live composting instead of me shoveling shit out all the time I just aerate it and then put more carbon on top and then it doesn't stink and it makes it into compost cool yeah sometimes it's like <laughs> I feel like farming so much of it is just sort of like a big experiment you're like, you're like hopefully this is hopefully this works out all of these techniques that Max uses, he never pretends to be the first to discover these methods. He knows and cares deeply about the history of regenerative agriculture and is acutely aware of his place in it as a young white guy. The scale of agriculture that I run is crazy, crazy, like, because it's just me and, like, whatever I'm producing, I'm producing, right? And it's a good amount. And this style of agriculture, like, this regenerative, like, so the whole regenerative agriculture movement is based off of black farmers. African-American farmers using what they have to produce and to find a corner for themselves in agriculture. 
and it's totally a whitewashed environment now, as it happens, right? Right. We completely gentrified it. Yeah. Um, but like this scale system, less than 100 acres of agricultural land, like run off of a regenerative system, is something that African American and Indigenous farmers created because they didn't have any money, they didn't have any like things to come up with, and yeah. so. You know, I see on Instagram people posting this all the time and they're always like shouting out like weird European books that they've read and I'm like, bro, like, that's not it, brother. Like, you might be using these like scientific techniques that some whitey wrote about, but in like reality, these indigenous people and these people that were literally oppressed developed these systems because of the oppression that the people that you're glorifying right now are, are doing, you know? Right. And so that another thing that I think is important about education in agriculture is understanding that it doesn't start from up top. It starts from the very bottom. We starts from the people that solve the problems and then it finds its way to the top as opposed to the opposite, you know? Yeah, that's so true. Next time on The Farmers I Know, I speak with a couple that owns and operates Dodo Farms. You'll hear how they brought what they knew about farming in Nigeria to a rural town in Maryland. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, check out our website, farmersiknow.com, and follow us on Instagram, at thefarmersiknow.com.